I wish it would have started with, but sure, why not? But sure, why not? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, but sure, why not? That's what I say to myself every week when I when I do this. Uh, why not? It was my nickname in high school. But sure, why not? Oh, welcome, everyone. You've started a thing. That's like a, the, a thing. That's the new meme. Does it make us. you feel comfortable? I don't know. Uh, oh, wow. The rain just really now that in. seems to really be rain. We were debating whether it was raining or not. And it's I said my phone, my phone said it's not raining, so therefore it's not raining. Welcome to the technological world of 2019. I love that. When I wake up in the morning, I have to check my phone for the weather instead of literally looking out my window right, that's yeah. a foot from me. Anyway, hello. Hello. We are uh, still in Luke chapter 22. going for a minute. Going into 23 this week. And uh, probably best way to describe this would be uh, Jesus's trial before mm-hmm. Pilate. Yeah, we're, we're transferring now from the from the arrest itself and the guards are, are mocking and beating him and now he actually is standing before it, it lays out a little differently in the other gospels as like uh, john in particular intersperses some of the things luke is kind of clumping them by concepts uh whereas they're they're interspersed a little more chronologically and some other or, or, or differently as far as the chronology goes because you're trying to tell a story mm-hmm. that, that makes a certain mm-hmm. point. And again, I think it's important to note this is another one of those <clears throat> situations where everybody's heard this. We've, we've all heard about different, yeah. different uh, you know, whether you've heard all of it or whether you just know what happened or yeah. whatever. This is one of those instances, I think, where I have to stop speaking so quickly, where we have an idea of, of what is going on here. So yeah. looking at it, I think from this perspective is a good thing. Well, and I think you hit on a, on a key thing, whether or not we know all of it or have heard all of it, uh, because for a lot of us, we haven't actually read the text. Right. We've seen it in movies, We and we've heard or seen these synopses. We, Pieces we, you know, of it, right. We've been through sermons about it, but yeah. we haven't actually read the text. We've heard somebody else tell us mm-hmm. what it says. Mm-hmm. So what we go through and actually see the, the, the actual literal text of the Word of God that changes things for us mm-hmm. to be able to see it. And, and we may have heard it right, right before, but if we're not seeing the actual words of Scripture, then we can really lose a lot. Again, that's a big part of what um, was the foundation of the Reformation when Martin Luther was refocusing the church. It wasn't new. He wasn't bringing in new teachings, but restoring older teachings <clears throat> in that uh, the church had moved away from people actually reading the Word of God or actually hearing the Word of God in church to more of a liturgy-focused thing. Liturgy, liturgy is a little misleading because that's just your order of service. Everybody mm-hmm. always has an order of service. But as um, as you saw that develop over time, it became, well, for one thing, you had a predominantly illiterate society. So you can't really read it the same way. And then it's the the scriptures are in Latin, and in most places it was illegal for them to not be in Latin. Mm-hmm. You know, so there there were translations out there, but unless you could read Latin, unless you could read Greek or Hebrew, you were kind of stuck. You were at the mercy of of those who were telling you about it. Right. And so um, nowadays we get excited about you know going to visit the Passion Play and so on. Well, we see those kinds of things in medieval times. That was how the gospel was communicated was through these dramas. Well, you're not getting the actual text the same right. way as you're getting it played out. Right. And it helps to be able to communicate that, but it isn't the same as actually seeing the scripture. Uh, same thing with the stained glass windows in the churches. When, when you look at those old cathedrals and the great cathedrals of Europe, um, much of those 
things that we look at as beauty and decoration mm-hmm. were more than that. That was the gospel telling mechanism. So right. the, or the you stories walk a Catholic of, church, you see the seven stages of the cross. Exactly, because you're trying to communicate truth to right. an illiterate people right. through visual imagery. So there's a lot of that stuff that we might look at and, and is easy to criticize um, it from our particular spot on the timeline, on the chronology of, of life, of church history. Um, but when we try to step back and see it from their perspective, they're trying to teach something that is getting um, getting missed by not being able to have the Scripture. Now, that eventually turns into we don't want people to have the Scripture. We have the control of things now because, as always happens in the sin nature, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So we see that over and over again uh, in the church because it's run by humans. So apart from the Holy Spirit guiding us, we're going to be in real trouble. Luther is restoring, not just Luther, but he's the kind of the mouthpiece of the, Re- of the Reformation, um, is restoring the idea of the scriptures. We want the scriptures. So when he's in hiding, uh, I think he was in Vartburg Castle, you know, he's, he's in hiding um, after uh, being named a heretic. He spent all of this time in anonymity translating the Bible into German so the people could, that was the scandalous thing for mm-hmm. people to be mm-hmm. able to see it, to actually get a hold of the text for themselves. And there were a lot of negative things that came out of that as well. Um, it, it's not bad to have the scripture, but it is bad when we start to misinterpret the scripture because we haven't looked at the whole scripture or we haven't, um, it, and let's say not been educated about it or trained about it. And that can be a little misleading. I don't want to act like professional clergy are the only ones who can interpret the scripture. Right. That's specifically false. And that right. was one of the falsehoods that they were trapped in at that time. But if I look at the scripture and I pull out from it irresponsibly a proof text to make it say what I want to say, whether it's a lay person or a professional minister, then I have completely undone the entire purpose of God's word at that point. So reading the word, seeing the text of the word, seeing it in its context, in its fullness, and then drawing the natural understanding of that out um, is that's the the nature of evangelicalism, the nature of Protestant teaching. Here, as we're looking at familiar stories, to actually see the text, and, and we'll read through this completely on Sunday, as we read through Luke 22, verse 66, through, say, 23, 25, we're, we're seeing this in the actual black and white, also read in my Bible, but that's... That's added. That's editorial. Um, we're seeing the actual story of, of what's being recorded. But we also need to recognize that that doesn't happen in a vacuum. There's a greater context. We need to see the whole of Luke. Mm-hmm. And we need to see the whole of Luke in the context of the whole of the New Testament. And we need to see the New Testament in the whole of the Scripture right. and, the, and the, the unfolding story that God is, has written and is writing uh, of his relationship with his people. So anyway, in this particular uh, passage, we're seeing that that Jesus has already been arrested. He's been betrayed. He's been denied. All of his uh, apostles have fallen away. The closest, the 12, the committed, they've fallen away, uh, and he's alone. Just Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit, and that's it. So then uh, it's happening in the middle of the night, all this stuff that's taken him away. At daybreak, the council of the elders, this is verse 66 of chapter 22, at daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law met together, and Jesus was led before them. 
If you're the Christ, they answered, tell us. And Jesus answered, if I tell you, you won't believe me. And if I asked you, you wouldn't answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. <laughs> and they're flabbergasted, verse 70. They all asked, are you then the Son of God? He replied, you're right in saying I am. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. Pilate is the Roman governor. I think we're all familiar with Pontius Pilate. He's the Roman governor that is assigned that territory. He's operating on behalf of Caesar. So the Jewish leaders have limited power under Rome. Pilate has greater power under Rome. They, they work under Pilate, but there, there's sort of a separation of powers that goes on here. Mm -hmm. So they bring him to Pilate. In verse 3 of chapter 23, Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The next, the next verse is interesting to me. Then Pilate announced to the chief priest in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. <laughs> I'm asking if he's king of the Jews. He says yes. I don't care. Get him out of here. Right. You know, I'm not, right. I, I, I don't see anything about this guy so far that is telling me he's an enemy of the state. Right. That's the, the case that they're trying to, to bring up. Uh, in fact, right before that, they begin to accuse him saying, we have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar. We just dealt with that a few chapters ago. He didn't at all. Uh, he opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ, a king. And Pilate basically says, this is a waste of my time, right? Um, but they insist, they go through this whole thing, you know, it goes from uh, Pilate, he recognizes that Herod's actually in town instead of off gallivanting as he would often do. So he sends him to Herod. Herod's excited because he gets to see the celebrity. Herod's not exactly a, an upstanding dude, but he is the, the Jewish king officially again under the roman right. rule um and so he gets to deal with affairs of the nation within the state Pilate deals with the affairs of the state governing the nation and as um as herod deals with jesus he sends him back to Pilate. and so you know the jews then have this whole crazy thing where they um it, it, it's not the masses it's the leaders and they actually want Pilate to release this insurrectionist who's guilty of, of leading a rebellion, guilty of murder, and they cry for Barabbas to be released instead of Jesus. And eventually um, this comes about and it happens, and we'll get to that in the next passage. Okay, well, we'll stop there, and we'll talk more about this next week. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. We'll see you later.